Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree and a guy who knows how to work a DVD player talk to you about movies. This week, Nick and I will give you our reactions to a couple high-profile trailers that have come out over the past two weeks, including Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Then Dan and I take a trip to the movie theater and we sit through a movie that feels like kind of sitting through a living hell. Hellboy. And then we're going to jump into the time machine, go to 1969, and watch the Dennis Hopper classic, Easy Rider. All of that on this week's episode of Brownie Points. All right, everybody, before we get into our two films of the week, Nick and I like to talk about the news, trailers, a film that one of us saw that the other one didn't. This week in our little editorial segment, there's been a lot of high-profile trailers that have been coming out over the past two weeks, and we want to give you our reactions to the three biggest ones that we've had so far. Uh, the first one is the live-action remake of The Lion King from director John Favreau. Uh, Nick and I just watched this trailer. Um, again, this is... I mean, to be fair, this wasn't our first time watching the trailer, but... Uh, immediate thoughts on this? The CGI looks amazing, and I'm, but I'm still nervous because of just how beloved this film is. Yeah. It's it's pretty fair to say this is not just one of the most beloved films of all time. Honestly, it is one of the greatest films of all time. So yeah. I guess it was inevitable that yeah. Disney was going to do this because of the whole slew of live action remakes we've been getting, like Maleficent, Snow White, uh, Cinderella. Uh, I, I, what else is there to say about it? So, so on my uh, personal Facebook page, I had a discussion with a buddy of mine named Matt um, when I shared the trailer uh, where he said he was tired of seeing the Disney live-action remakes. Um, and it kind of prefaces my view of it, uh, what I said back to him, which was, um, after watching the trailer, I'm extremely excited for the movie. Um, like Dan said, it's one of the most beloved movies of all time. Uh, and the CGI looks amazing, and the acting performances look good. The only thing that I thought was kind of laughable in the trailer was the scene where Simba's swinging through the vines. Um, but what I said to him is, I'm actually very excited and okay with this one, because I didn't watch any of the other ones. Um, in their trailers, I'm not sure how they turned out, I'm not sure how many there are, but in their trailers, there was nothing in there that made me excited for the re live-action remake. I was like, I'll just watch the cartoon one I grew up with as a kid. Um, this is the first one where I was like, I want to go see this movie. Um, and our and our family, our household, uh, Lion King was... Honestly, Lion King was king. It was right up there with Toy Story between the Disney movies that my sister and I grew up watching. Um, we had multiple copies of The Lion King. Uh, that was my sister's favorite movie. Um, she would watch, She watched it so much with our family that the tape broke twice. <laughs> so we had to get multiple copies of it and uh me and kelsey's cat's name is nala so we all like the lion king a lot that is um, that is such a nostalgic 90s problem that i do remember um my honestly my mom could probably tell you you guys how much i my sis my sister and i watched this film we i know i've watched this film hundreds of times yeah. probably me i i don't personally like it's it's not a film that, like, I mean, I do hold it in high regard, but, I mean, I obviously I've not watched it in a very long time. I want to try and watch the animated one before July, but it's, I'm just, I'm, 
I'm not apprehensive because of this movement that Disney's doing with remaking their films. Um, I personally have seen a lot of them. I thought Maleficent was actually pretty good. Uh, I thought Beauty and the Beast was pretty good, even though the extra song that they kind of shoehorned in for Beast was not that great. Um, yeah. And honestly, my favorite out of the ones I've seen, uh, I've only seen one other one, uh, Cinderella. I thought Cinderella mm-hmm. was great. I thought it was a fantastic film. But at, to the same degree, I just just the scope and the importance of John Favreau getting this film right is what makes me so nervous. I the yeah. the expectations for, for this film are going to be so sky high. I'm optimistic about this trailer, but yeah. we have been bitten by good trailers turning out bad movies before. Like <coughs> Phantom Menace. Hey, I was gonna say Suicide Squad, but <laughs> but yeah, it's I we'll see. I don't I don't really have much else to add to it. Like when, it's a good trailer, so let's hope when, it's a good film. When this trailer first came out, my first thought was I got to show my uh, sister uh, Emily. I was like, Emily has to see this trailer because if to me, like I might like the movie, but to me, the ultimate test of how good is this is if my sister ends up liking it. And then when I uh, started dating Kelsey, and she's like, I'm a bit of a Disney freak. I love I love Disney movies. I was like, you're going to blend in with my family, especially my sister. Um, <laughs> so if they like it, to me, you know, it's a success. Because this, like you said, this movie, the, thing, the things that are going against this movie, it is such a well-known story. It is such a well-known movie. It is so loved. It is so great. And then they come out with a really good trailer for it. And it's like, man... You are setting everyone's expectations really high trying to catch lightning in a bottle for a second time in a format where people may not welcome it. Yeah. Good luck, because, man, I hope you nail it, because if you don't, you're going to really let a lot of people down. Yeah, especially with the cast they set up on this. Oh, my goodness. Top-tier cast, top to bottom. Every mm-hmm. every one of these actors in any other film, they would be the top-billed actor. They stacked this cast. Donald Glover, Beyonce, uh, they got uh, James Earl Jones back, Chiwetel Ejiofor is in this, uh, Seth Rogen, uh, Billy Eichner, John Oliver. Oh my, this cast is enormous. Yeah. I just, I'm I'm apprehensively excited, I guess. Uh, I just, I'm, good luck, John Favreau. I I hope you nailed it. Um, I didn't think The Jungle Book was that great, but um, he's doing the same thing with this film live action finger quotes <laughs> yeah but um, live action but it's basically what it is is it's non-hand-drawn animation yeah it's basically it's basically like a an animated film more or less that's photo real with the sets even though they yeah. are probably like 90 percent cg as well yeah so i just good luck man i <laughs> i wish you the best i hope this movie turns out really good because this trailer yeah. everybody at my everybody at my work was like i'm not crying you're crying like <laughs> <laughs> well we were watching the trailer and i was the only one that was just like um no you're 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 crying <laughs> uh you're weeping yeah you're pansy yeah <laughs> but yeah the uh but yeah no that's uh that was obviously a really big trailer that came out um the next trailer that we want to talk about is joker so nick i know you are an enormous batman fan and comic slightly. and comic book fan huh sorry slightly yeah <laughs> only slightly yeah so uh, comic yeah so, so com- what's your comic books uh, so comic books wise i didn't read a ton of them it was always i was interested in the characters but i i, I basically reread the ones i had a bunch um from the perspective of the joker um he is 
when they when they announced this movie, um, I, I think at the time they announced it, I think the Jared Leto one they had just greenlit that one, and I was like, man, why are you gonna do two Joker movies? Yeah. And then when this trailer came out, I said something to you, and you confirmed that the Jared Leto one was dead, and thank God, because that is the worst iteration of the Joker ever. That was the wor- that was one of the worst superhero movies we've gotten probably ever. And I have yeah. no reprehension or any. Blech, I have no hesitation saying that. But one of one of the things in recent years that has been kind of my favorite thing is the Batman Arkham series. Um, it's a video game series. I've played each game through several times. I know I've encouraged you to play them uh, because you're not huge on video games. But I was like, man, these are movies that you can play. Yeah. Um, I, I I remember you telling me about those like as they were like more relevant, like when they just came out. Yeah. So when, uh, just kind of the perspective of the Joker, I, the he's huge in in my regard, just because he's he is the true villain, no matter what, other than the, actually, you know what, even the Suicide Squad one, every single one of them is unique. Um, starting with I, I'm going to talk about the ones I've seen. I did not do. I don't know who the one is. Uh, from the Adam West show, I didn't watch oh, that one. Caesar Romero. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't. I I can't say what he's like just because I've not really seen it. I've just seen the makeup and him laugh. That's about it. Yeah. No. Um. Same. But Jack Jack Nicholson's Joker clearly is uh, a twisted individual um, who basically is just you know he's he's a crazy individual who is a who's a criminal just trying to make his way in the world um then you get the uh heath ledger one who is the pure i want chaos one yeah um, r.i.p heath yeah and then you have uh jared leto who's just a crazy annoying weirdo um then you have the Mark Hamill versions, including the cartoon series and the Joker in the Arkham Asylum or Arkham series. Um, I remember this is a spoiler for Arkham City, but you guys have had close to 10 years on this game. Um, the Joker dies at the end of it. The last shot, <laughs> the last shot is Batman carrying the Joker out dead. Um and he still makes he still shows up in uh, Arkham Origins because it was a prequel to the games, and then Arkham Knight he shows up as kind of like a figment of Batman's imagination that's tormenting him. He is so crucial yeah. to the Batman saga that I'm this bringing it back to this trailer. One of the things is I was like, what is this one going to do different? And I like that, you know, you never really, Jack, Jack Nicholson's really the only one that you get kind of a backstory on. And then in the comics, they, the only other one is they allude to like, it's the Red Hood saga where yeah. he's a guy who needs money. So then uh, to pay, I think it's like to pay for his wife being sick or something. I can't remember. Yeah. It was, um, um, it was a sick wife, I believe. Yeah. And he goes, he puts on a red hood to do this heist job, and he falls in the, I think he falls in acid like the Jared Leto one and the Jack Nicholson one. Um, but you don't really ever get a backstory on him. So the thing that looks interesting to me, obviously, the backstory of this one, is as the trailer progresses, you can see his descent into his psychosis. 
because he already starts the movie off skinny, but there's several scenes of him without a shirt, and you can see his ribs more and more pronounced each time. Yeah. So as he's going into his psychosis, he's not taking care of himself any further. Um, the other thing that looks interesting is someone I work with, uh, I think it was someone I work with, confir- or kind of confirmed, because when I, the first time I saw the trailer, when it showed the little boy, I was like, I wonder if that's Bruce Wayne, because it's behind a what looks like the a gated fence of a manor. Yeah. Um, and it would just make sense that it's Bruce Wayne. And he confirmed, he's like, no, uh, that Thomas Wayne is running for mayor. So supposedly that's who is on TV all the time. Like, what kind of sick person does that with a mask? And then uh, the kid behind the gate that he gives the smiley face to is supposedly Bruce Wayne. So I... I am very excited for this. When they showed the image, like, it was sometime this winter, they had the image of him just, like, walking down a hallway on set. I was like... Yeah. He, I, I was like, that was, that was around pulling when, it off. Yeah, that's when they did the makeup test leak footage. Yeah. And, well, I was like, he's pulling it off. And then, uh, after seeing this trailer, I'm I'm very excited. It's The fun thing is, it comes out on my birthday. Nice. I completely so forgot I that. I am pumped. The, for me, um, I don't have as much of, um, I didn't really read comics that much, and I, most of my knowledge when it comes to, like, anything comic book related is strictly, like, through the films, yeah. so I... That's, that's most, like I said, that's most of my language, my knowledge it was the was the films, games, and TV shows, and then yeah. the couple comic books I had for characters, I just reread them a bunch. Yeah, so I only... I'd seen the, the I want to say 89, it may have been older, uh, that Jack Nicholson one, and then yeah. the Heath Ledger one, uh, then the Suicide Squad one, obviously, I've made my piece about that movie being garbage, but some of the phases that I went through with this is, um, like you said, when they canceled the Jared, when they first announced the Jared and a Joaquin Phoenix one, I was immediately just like, oh, Joaquin Phoenix, that's interesting, because he's got an amazing resume, and he does have an amazing range as an actor. I He is yeah. one of my favorite living actors right now, like out there with like Jake Gyllenhaal. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I wonder why he would want to do a superhero film, because this guy's worked with like P.T. Anderson. Uh, like, yeah. okay, this is, okay, I'm, I'm on board so far, if he wants to do it. And then I saw that Todd Phillips was directing it, and he did the Hangover films, and I'm like, okay, well, this is very odd too. What is DC trying to do? Yeah. And then I saw the the picture of him like in the makeup, and I'm like, okay, that's a little more promising. But now, finally, finally, now that we have this trailer, and the way like that you were describing it too, the uh, the real psychosis. It's that's that's what it's at least coming off to me as well, is that this is not just, like, an unstable guy that, like, has a breaking point. Kind of... Well, I mean, well, not this... Not, like, that he falls into the, the chemical vat and then that's his moment where he's just like, I'm the Joker now. It's... Like, it's this not is... The, it's not the radioactive explosion and he gains superpowers. No, this is... The, the best thing I saw, it's a meme for this, was it's the shot where he's walking down the hall at the end of the trailer. They took a screenshot of it and they go, 19, whatever you're... Uh, was it 89? No. What year was the Tim Burton Batman? Uh, I want to say 89. I think it was older. Okay. Maybe. I think it, was, it might be but older. But it was like, it was like 1989. We got to show the creation of the Joker. Okay. Just throw him in a, just throw him in a, a vat of acid. And then it goes, 2019. We have to show the creation of the Joker. Just throw him into society. Yeah. No, this, <laughs> this, this mental break, it kind of, 
it kind of reminds me of um I don't know, it kind of gives off a little bit of a taxi driver vibe, honestly. Like I got falling down. That's not a bad comparison either. No, yeah. that's um like, I have just, I know watching, I know watching uh, the trailer I was like this is like if falling down happened in the Batman universe. Yeah, no. It only takes I, one bad day. Yeah, c- kind of like the killing joke. Um Yeah. So I like that it's kind of an even darker take somewhat on the killing joke even though killing joke uses a little bit of the red hood stuff too um yeah yeah but taking out the red hood of it and then just having a dude just in a mental breakdown like joaquin phoenix especially now that we have proof at least trailer proof like i keep warning trailers are trailers we we, we have to judge the film and the film is out but <coughs> phantom menace <laughs> hell boy um, <laughs> um you ruined our review now they know <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, we're both very optimistic about this one too. Uh, the last trailer we'll talk about before we get to Hellboy, uh, is going to be the one trailer that came out this week, just came out on Friday, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. As all of us avid Star Wars fans know, J.J. Abrams did The Force Awakens, Rain Johnson was brought in to do The Last Jedi, that went the way it did. I'm not trying to make this all about The Last Jedi. We don't need to open that can of worms again. But basically, J.J. Abrams has now been brought back to bring this trilogy to a close, which will forever cement the, the debate of why didn't he do Last Jedi. But until we... We can save that for later. Strictly talking about the rise of Skywalker. What do you interpret that title to mean before we get into like the shot for shots? Like, what do you interpret that title now that uh, it's been revealed? Uh, I think it means something about Kylo Ren turning. Interesting. I kind of took it as I'm predicting that that is going to be like, I don't know if metaphor is the right word, but I feel like that that's going to kind of be like Skywalker is going to become like the new Jedi order. That's why I'm thinking is like the rise of like the way of Skywalker or like the, the rise of the movement of Skywalker, like Skywalker ism is now the new way of the Jedi order and it's going to flow through Ray. That's, that's kind of how I'm, that's kind of how it came off to me. Like first impression. Well, not to get into conspiracy theories. I'm fully convinced that she's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's granddaughter. That's 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 valid. I I haven't read yeah. that much on Star Wars conspiracies myself, but I've I have heard that one, and I do think that that's a that's a that's a pretty just just because it goes it's and it's based off of the kind of trippy scene and uh, uh, what was Episode Seven's title? Man, Force Awakens. Yeah, sorry. There's so many. <laughs> Look, okay. Let me start, let me say this. I am a huge Star Wars fan. Um, these movies, this is my favorite movie series. When um, when they started advertising they were going to make Episode 7, uh, I said to uh, my fiancé, you know, I hope they get it right because if they don't, they're, they're ruining my childhood. And I know that's an extreme, but <laughs> as, someone, as someone who had asthma as severely as I did and I was in hospitals all the time, and if I wasn't in hospitals a lot of time, I uh, was kind of bedridden because my asthma would flare up. I watched Star Wars a lot. These are... These have been my favorite movies since I was a kid. I love this series. Um, it's uh, it's something that I really like, and or I love. Um, and when they premiered, it was on the Monday Night Football game where they either premiered the first trailer or another trailer for it. I watched it and p- literally pulled. I had a uh, 
I had my 50 inch TV in my apartment at this time. I literally drug a chair up to the edge of it and sat there and just stared at the TV about six inches away. <laughs> and when it was over, I looked at Kelsey and I said, they, they pulled off my childhood or they, they captured the spirit of my childhood. Um, the reason I say that, look, I came out with the, when the prequels came out, I liked them at that time, but when I rewatched them, uh, they don't hold up. Uh, honestly, my favorite is episode three of them. And it's strictly because of how dark it gets. Yeah. Um, but back to this movie, um, it looks, it looks really, really good. Um, the thing that blows me away is the rumors, not the right word, uh, speculation of what are they looking at in the water? Uh, the most, uh, you not unique. The one that has the most traction that I've heard that they're back on Endor. They're on a shore on Endor and that's a chunk of the death star. That's what I heard a lot too. Um, and if it's if it's not Endor, it's Yavin. It could be the so it's it could... one of the two Death Stars that's supposedly the outer ring of the super laser. Yeah. Um, and then every time the first time I heard it, the one of the uh, again to reference a meme, um, it's the it's the one that it shows, uh, it shows a clip of the movie and it goes, no one's ever really gone. And then it shows Joey from Friends, and he's just kind of sitting there smiling. And then it goes, <laughs> evil Palpatine laugh, and he bugs his eyes out. The first time I heard that, I was at work, and I almost just stood up and went, oh, my God! Like, <laughs> had goosebumps, loved it. I This is a movie where, you know, every year that a Star Wars movie comes out, it's one of my most, it's one of my top three anticipated movies of the year. Um Ever since Disney got them, I've liked, or I've liked every movie. I liked uh, Last Jedi bet, better than most people. The only issue I had with it was they should have taken out that whole thing involving the gambling planet. Um, but that, and I thought it was kind of weird that Princess Leia basically supermans herself back into a ship. Yeah. Um, other than that, I didn't have really any issues with it. Um, but. Pretty much everything they've done, you know, I, I understand that Disney is not going to make the first. Let me let me phrase this carefully, because they they remade a New Hope. Basically, they're not. Yeah, gonna remake. You, they they're, seven was basically four. When when I'm saying this, of they're not going to remake the first three movies. What I mean is they're not going to capture that exact spirit again. Yeah. Um, because you. I understand when people say episode seven is episode four. I welcome that because they need, they needed to go, Hey, we respect this. We understand this and we're going to take care of this. Um, especially after what George did, the creator of the movies did with the prequels. Yeah. It was, a, um, it was a nice way to like, it was a nice seven for it being very formulaic and a little too familiar. In my opinion, it was yeah. in a way to bring in this new character, these new characters. It was like, like Mary Poppins, put a spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. Yeah. Um, episode episode seven, it, it took risks. I, I like that it took risks. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, Rogue One, I really like. Uh, Rogue One is why I'm convinced I want a Darth Vader uh, movie of him, uh, a rated R movie of him 
seeking down the Jedi and not necessarily just overseeing a finalized empire that has to fight the rebellion. I want to see him finalizing the execution of, uh, the Jedi order. Um, and then solo, man, I didn't like that movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's the, honestly, that's the only one I've left since Disney got it where I left the movie and I was like, didn't like it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure at some point uh, we'll discuss Solo because to me that is, since Disney got it that is the one that has been the most I don't know if controversial is the right word but yeah, who, kind of dude, the most, who, who, that kind is of the most debated I out of them. I I would not say that I I don't think anything will ever top the Last Jedi I get what you're trying I get what you mean because yeah Solo is divisive too but divisive there we go Thank solo you. is divisive too but it is it that is a rung below on the controversy scale that was like a once in a generation thing that we experienced with the last jedi dude that was you loved it or you hated it like yeah. um but anyway to bring in my thoughts on the tra- trailer i'm not a fan of teasers and that's what this was it's a teaser there's kind of cool shots in it yeah um the Palpatine reveal at the end very much shocked me. Um, I was very intrigued that Carrie Fisher has a shot in it. Um, I the the shot of what could have been the Death Star could have been the Star Base Killer, um, whatever that was. I mean, all this is is just it's just yeah. it's just sizzle reel, really. Um, you get to see Kylo's mask getting rebuilt. I it's intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to see it anyway, but. Um, that's kind of all I took away from it outside of like the trailer and like my reaction to like, what I think the, tra- what the title, excuse me, the title is that my, my, me taking the time afterwards thinking about what the title means is why I took the most away from this trailer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, knowing that this is the end of Skywalker allegedly, and then Disney's yeah. allegedly taking a break after this. I sure I'll take them at their word for it, but not kind of yeah. believe it. Um, I mean, obviously the trilogy's beloved, uh i i can watch the old ones i don't really want to um one is fine it's problematic but it's fine two is when you say one do you mean the original trilogy yeah i'm just, just going so you mean episode you mean episode four or no 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 the original trilogy four five six beloved they're all great yeah uh one is problematic but fine i can watch it it's i it's not okay it's not as bad as people make it out to be no it's not Two it's is not. two is terrible. I, clones, my god! Clones is terrible. Three, I love three except for the dialogue. Like if I could watch a yes. cut of that film with just the score and the sound effects and yeah. none of the dialogue, that's how I'd want to yeah. watch three again. Um, and then for when, uh, oh, sorry, uh, I, I don't mean to interrupt. When me and Kelsey started watching, or like. I can't remember how old. When did they? When did uh, Last Jedi come out? Last Jedi was two years ago. Was it? I'm I'm sorry. Force Awakens. That was two. Was it four years ago? That was fifteen. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, when they announced it was coming out, Kelsey had she basically what we gathered is she had seen every movie, but it was either an extremely long time since she's seen it or she saw them clipped together. Like, she'd see him on TV, and she'd watch, like, 20 minutes. Basically, she'd seen all of them, but she hadn't really paid attention. So I was like, look, I was like, going into this, I was like, this is a huge movie series for me, like guys said in the beginning. 
um, I was like, you know, you should watch it so that you kind of understand, so that you have an understanding of the lore going into this movie when we go see it. And I was like, I don't need a refresher because I've seen these movies a million times. I was like, but I don't mind watching them again. Yeah. And just to put it in perspective, my feelings for the prequel trilogy, <laughs> she goes, well, how are we going to watch them? And I went the way that I saw them, four, five, six, one, two, three. Because if we start with Phantom Menace and followed up with Attack of the Clones, you're not going to watch another one of these movies. No, I will never... Should should I ever be blessed with a child with my wife, I will make my child watch them in four, five, six, one, two, three. Yeah, because my goodness, that would. Uh... Yeah, George, the the most telling thing about the prequel trilogy, because I look, me and Dan were kids when these came out. I don't remember the. I think episode one was ninety eight or ninety nine. It was nine. Um, it was ninety nine, two thousand two, and then two thousand five. Yeah, you can tell that someone or something got in George's ear between episode two and episode three. Uh, uh, probably some producers telling him, "Hey, you can't make another dud." Like, <laughs> but the thing is, I was telling Dan um, when back when DVDs were in their heyday, like, look at all the stuff we could do with this that we couldn't do with VHSs. Besides, make the audio and the picture better, and make something that doesn't destroy as easily as tape over time like special features and the episode one special features the most telling thing of what the prequel trilogy was like is watch the making of documentary explicitly only to watch the reactions and the facial expressions of the people working with george lucas they all look terrified beyond belief to go that's a stupid idea <laughs> like when he goes, Jar Jar's the key of this. Jar Jar's what's going to make it all happen. You can kind of tell he's being sarcastic, but he also genuinely means it. And they pan to three people working with him. And they all have a look on their face of, whatever you say, boss, but that's a really dumb thing to do. Yeah. Like, they're all wide-eyed. They're all scared. Like, it literally was a man's ego gone insane. It paid off, though. I mean, even though, like... It's, it paid off, though. I mean, for the most yeah. part. I mean, they're not great films, but uh, they're certainly less controversial than where we are now. Like, who do, Who's more Who's more ruthless? Episode 3, Anakin and the Jedi Temple, when they say, Sir, there's too many of them. What are we supposed to do? And he ignites his lightsaber or Thanos? Oh. <laughs> what was it? The, well, Thanos, the mean... ki- Thanos killed children when he snapped, when he did the snap, so... Mercy killed. I, um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh... Uh, what's there was a meme that said there's there's six children in three chairs what do you do and the answer is supposed to be you build three chairs there's one that says but there's the one that just has thanos and anakin and it just shows them sweating and they look really concerned oh god because <laughs> they don't want to give their answers oh that's so funny that's so bad that's so funny jeez <laughs> um, um man well well i mean anyway this is that's uh the rise of skywalker um the last movie we're gonna get for a while from kathleen kennedy um it's capping off the trilogy like like nick was talking about um my two cents on all the films before we get out of here and go to hellboy uh i thought seven's a good film even though it is kind of a carbon copy of four (laughs) um uh i'm also a fan of the last jedi i don't it's very problematic i do have problems that i have with the film i give it like a b b minus but I do think the film still Brownie works. Point. What do you give it brownie points wise? Oh, right, 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 of course. I'm uh, sure. Why not? Let's do that. Um, 
just for the just for the Disney films, not the old ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, Force Awakens, uh, I give it a solid full brownie pan. I wouldn't put sprinkles on it. Uh, the Last Jedi, um, I hate to cheat, but I'd, I don't want to give it a full pan. I don't want to give it half a pan. I'm going to do that thing where I cheat and give it like a three-fourths of a pan. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogue One, brownie pan with sprinkles. Rogue One is the best film that Kathleen Kennedy has produced. I think it's phenomenal. Um, it's amazing it came out the way it did because yeah. Dan Gilroy had to come in and save that film from, uh, I can't remember his name, but we're running long. Um, Solo, I don't dislike as much as you did. Um, I will, <laughs> yeah, dude. I will give it half a pan because it's not, it's definitely not, I put it in that same tier as like episode one where it's not a great film, but it's not that bad, but I will yeah. knock it down lower than last Jedi. Um, yeah. I, I like, I do like it more than you do. So, uh, my, solo honestly gets half a pan for me. My, my brownie points for the Disney movies, um, episode seven, full pan episode eight, three quarter pan, uh, rogue one uh full pan solo single brownie gotcha no sprinkles on rogue one man okay we had we've had this debate a million times this can be yes or no (laughs) i know i know we've had this debate a million times me and you off air man that vader scene the vader okay here's the thing the vader stuff i know the stories and i can tell by the editing that was a studio note and it was forced in there but that is the best studio force note things i've seen i've seen that you can tell yeah um the scene where he just slaughters like not kills just mercilessly slaughters a battalion of troops um is amazing yeah um the thing is it's been a it's been a while since I've seen that movie, and the reason. But the thing that I remember, I can't remember exact specifics because it's been about a year, year and a half since I've seen it. Um, something about the beginning. Uh, I think it's it moves too fast in the beginning, and jumps around a lot. I think is what I didn't like about it. The way that so, the way the way it brought the band together. Let's say. Yeah, because it's, it's fast. I mean, I get it. They get a lot of people together really fast. Yeah. But from what I remember, that's why it doesn't have sprinkles. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, I um, I do vaguely remember having a little bit of an issue like that at the first viewing. But um, yeah. get, when I watched it the second time, it honestly didn't bother me as much. But, yeah. Um, I mean, it obviously doesn't bother me anymore now. Um, I wish it was still on Netflix. They did just drop it. Because uh, now I'm kind of in the mood to watch it, but yeah. <laughs> I have the Blu-ray, so I could probably watch it. I, I, or no, we got we got Game of Thrones tonight, so yay, Game of Thrones. Sorry to <laughs> sorry to segue off of a non-movie, but um, yeah, that is uh, that's our trailer reactions for uh, Lion King, Joker, and uh, kind of retrospective of all of Star Wars, and not just a reaction and, to the and, Rise of Skywalker. and reaction and reaction to uh, Rise of skywalker <laughs> yeah it's a, a retroactive look back very briefly and the rise of skywalker reaction uh we need to get going and talk about hellboy so we will take a brief break and be right back all right welcome back everybody the film that nick and i went to the theaters to see this week the reboot of hellboy Brought to you by director Neil Marshall, starring David Harbour, Mila Jovovich, and Ian McShane, 
It is based on the Dark Horse comics and not connected to either of the films from 2004 and I want to say 2009 uh, from Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I want to say this up front just because I feel like everybody is obliged to say this. I tried to not go into this film judging it solely on the fact that it's not the third film of the planned trilogy. Uh, and, and, and it is a shame that we didn't get it, but I tried to watch this film on its own merits, did my best to, and honestly, it wasn't that hard to criticize it in that regard because there are so many problems with this film in its own regards. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, uh, it stands, it, here's the thing. It does a very good job of making you go, you know, this is its own, uh, universe, its own series and everything while simultaneously making you go, well, there's a lot of other things to criticize. It yeah. For. The, I mean, to, to say, some, to say some positive things about it first, um, I did think David Harbour did a great job, um, from an acting perspective. I don't think any of the other acting is that good like they're okay at best i thought his makeup looked great i yeah. thought the makeup in general looked great on um there was one other character that was clearly like almost all makeup instead of like cgi um and uh, that was the lady that was like crawling around uh she had the legs uh, yes. baba 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 something she, uh she reminded she reminded me of the sister from pet cemetery that oh that's week. yeah that's a good comparison with with her like contort contorted body and the fact that you could see so many of her bones. Yeah, out. her makeup was great. Um, the combination. Can we call her Peg Leg Paula? It was it was um Baba something. I have the um I have the cast list up here. If she's like right on the front page, um, and she's not, so it was it was Baba something. Um, I'm I'm just gonna call her sure. Peg Leg Paula. <laughs> uh, but her makeup <laughs> was great, and um. The combination of the suit and the CGI head of the the boar was pretty cool, I thought. But mm -hmm. um, outside, eh, I don't, I don't know, man. That the CGI throughout the movie was one of the biggest. Well, here's the I thing. Here's what it. here's what I'm gonna get at um, is that outside of that and a couple decent CGI moments here and there, I gotta agree. This was surprisingly not that great a cgi like the troll battle and the hog i thought were cool but most of the rest of the cgi yeah. really didn't look that good especially in comparison to um uh like game of thrones like i was just watching game of thrones because it's yeah. coming back tonight just uh to throw that out there <laughs> and yes <laughs> and the cgi in game of thrones just the one episode i was watching uh about uh 20 minutes ago has such better cgi than this film did this is a film from yeah. 2009 or 2019 and i mean it was kind of clear that this movie didn't have the budget that the other two films did but it really stood out in some of the cgi it 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 relies on cgi really heavily is the issue it's not like they're like oh yeah it kind of touches things up i mean there's literally there's a scene at the end of at the end of the movie um that involves certain characters that are heavily CGI'd and you can tell they're CGI. Like the whole character is yeah. CGI. Um, the biggest, to me, the biggest tell of what the CGI was going to be like is um, during the scene following the opening action scene where he's sitting at, at the bar and the scorpion crawls on. His oh head, yeah. That, that 
thing looks I so thought... bad that I was like, oh, we're in Yeah, it kind of wasn't... Movie. Nothing was really composited that well together between, like, footage and CGI. Um, well, when, when, it's, when it sticks, stings him in the hand and he goes, it's all right, little buddy, and he acts like it didn't hurt him, I was like, of course it didn't hurt him, because I can clearly tell well, it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and through the rest of the <laughs> film, too, he's borderline indestructible, but um, the... Yeah. The, 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 that's not the biggest thing I have an issue with with the film. I The biggest issue I have with the film is that this story, for having such a simple plot, managed to feel so bloated at the same time and bogged down yeah. by so much exposition. Nobody stopped talking. And it talked down yeah. to us the way it would explain everything so in such detail. Like, okay, we, I mean... Yeah. Thanks for the clarification. I knew exactly what you were talking about as you started this whole monologue. Like, we... It's... Yeah. Did you did you notice, though, every character in this movie, it's every single character except for Hellboy, speaks in exposition, and then Hellboy just makes sarcastic remarks like a cleaned up... Yeah, I mean, even for an R-rated film, like, nothing that he said was clever or that funny. Like, I think I laughed twice. If that, like, well, I laugh. Okay, here's the thing. I laughed, but they weren't smart laughs. They were laughs at like, huh, he said the thing that I would have said if I was just spitballing an idea out. Like, yeah. They weren't really clever or well thought out. Um, he, he, he seemed much more sarcastic than the Ron Perlman. It's been a while since I've seen yeah, the Ron same. Perlman ones, but his. His Hellboy seemed like it was a much more sarcastic one, which I was okay with. But oh my god, the exposition is no, it, no, stops. it doesn't. It, it drags the stops. film down so much. They, there's a there's an opening, there's a, like an opening like in the ancient times scene, yeah. right? That explains what is going on and what they're after, and then like what is it? An hour and twenty minutes into this hour and fifty five minute long movie where. They just repeat that entire scene for three minutes. It's like, guys, you already did a ten-minute scene on this. We all yeah, we can kind of pick up the pace a little bit, and then to eat. Yeah, but this movie, this movie is this movie feels long because of all the exposition and everything. Like nothing feels natural. That at the very at the very end, there's a flash forward scene, and I audible. It was also very loud. I shouted, "Oh my god!" And that was such a. And it was so loud I couldn't hear myself say it, but I knew I said it. But it just—it's one of those ones where it just—it doesn't end. It has a false ending in it. Well, yeah, it was. It basically, basically, that flash-forward scene could be a post-credit scene. Exactly. And technically, this movie has this movie technically has three credit scenes: one right before the credits, one in the middle of the credits, and one at the. Okay, very you end gotta of the tell credits. me what those were, because I honestly didn't care. Like, honest, when the movie was over, I did not care. Oh my god. Well, okay. Do you want to give our rating so we can get? Yeah, I. Because it's pretty hard not to talk about. Yeah, and no, I'm not going to apologize for not staying for the credits. I didn't care when the movie was over. Like, the little. (laughs) I literally only stayed because I was like, they're going to be in here, and we're going to have to talk about it for the podcast. But other than that, when it ended, I was like, I want to go. Yeah, I just let me. No, I thought the stinger. I thought the that stinger. Let's call it before the credits started was it honestly, and I didn't care if I was wrong. So. Basically, um, I got to give this just a single brownie because, um, I, I mean, I did think some of the action was pretty well staged. 
Um, and I did like David Harbour for the most part, even though some of his sarcastic jokes, quote unquote, were kind of bad. But um, yeah. no, this movie has so many more problems than good things. I This was such a step back for the character and all the... I mean, the trailers did a good job selling the film. It looked like a great film, but I mean, this was this was definitely not. This is not the. The issue, this the is, issue is the issue is they basically tried to make two. Films I and in the I one. there's all. I mean, there's been reports coming out now about how troubled the production was, like how much control Neil Marshall actually had versus producers trying to make him do yeah. certain things, and obviously that's never a good sign. Like there's there's yeah. a whole there's a whole laundry list of movies that have that happen to them, but. I it's and it's a shame it's a shame this is a single brownie film this is extremely disappointing and was it by the way since we're talking about movies where the producers try to cram way too much into it was this produced uh no this was was it Lionsgate Lionsgate, distributed it and it was produced through Millennium Films a little independent company and you could tell it was an independent company like we were saying before like because some of the stuff in this film definitely looked cheap um but like I yeah. Not some. <laughs> Not some. Yeah. This, uh, I gotta give it a sing I gotta give it a single. Like like I said, there the couple handful of things I did like in the film do not outweigh the massive problems that this film has. Yeah. It's a it's a single brownie for me. Um th- I I knew after I got done watching it, you know, I was uh, when I was trying to come up with a grade, I think I texted I saw this before Dan, I saw this Friday night. Um I texted him when it was done, and I and I just said I completely get why it's getting the reviews it's getting. Um, it it has a lot. It has neat ideas. It really does. That's the only reason it's not a cookie. Um, it's a it's a single brownie for me. And there's a lot of neat ideas. There are. There's a lot of cool monster designs are amazing. Um, the issue is the designs aren't executed very well because the CGI is bad. They put too many of those cool ideas in there. Everyone talks in exposition. There's just so many things in this movie that they yeah. cram in there. But I can at least see where the the cool idea or the smart thing was. So that's why it's that's why it's not on the level of captive state where it's like I don't even know what you were trying to do, but you made it. This one I'm like I can at least see what the intent was. Um, and for our fans following, yes, we have continued that streak of mentioning that horrible film every yes. week since I've seen it. <laughs> Um, we did not see a we did not see a it, film with uh, that one actor though. Again, we managed to avoid him this week. The Godzilla. No, oh uh, no, not him. Um, I was saying the guy that was in Triple Frontier and uh, Death Sentence. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but it's it's it, it ha- like I said, it has neat things, but the amount and the war- and the severity of the issues with it greatly outweighs yeah what's cool abso- about it. absolutely um they it's one of those things where like i said they try and put basically two movies worth of ideas into one movie and it's it's just there were time like i literally was like oh my god just please i just i want to go home just just end i i commend you you tried it didn't work yeah please let me go um so that's my that's my score single Same. brownie, or and so now we can move into spoilers and the question. I yes, have for you. we always try to have one of us ask the other one a question. Um, Nick had a question for me this week, like he did last week. Lay it on me. What do you want to know? So, what do you think had more 
more issues and more like more uh, things crammed into it and had more purely expositional dialogue and not natural dialogue. This or Batman v Superman? Oh, jeez, that's a good question. I because me and you disagree on Batman v Superman because I'll watch the unrated cut and it's okay. <laughs> well, we can save that for a time machine because I am an apolog. We're gonna have to wait. I, like I know seven I am years. an <laughs> I am an apolog unapologetic defender of the director's cut of that film, but um, I. I think, but I think yeah. by sheer volume, I gotta have to give it to Batman versus Superman because even the theatrical cut is two and a half hours long. The director's cut is three hours yeah. long, and the, this film is like just a hair under two hours. But I do see exactly yeah. where you're going with it because both of those films, within five within five minutes, the opening scene where he pulls up, um, where he pulls up to the. I, I want to say wrestling arena, but it's that's like, not really it's what like it an, is. it's like, uh, a, was it, a, was it a bar? It was just, it's it like a warehouse. Yeah. Where it was, the, it was whatever, it was whatever they used bar. for the underground wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So as he put, this is like after the, uh, beginning of the movie, which I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it that it can be expositional in that part just because they're like, Hey, like, 350 years ago there was this bat there was this battle with this uh magical being and it had a plague that was going to wipe out the earth so the uh, king arthur went and he was gonna um sign or come to an agreement and they were going to end the war and live in harmony but he double crossed her and killed her well and his sis- stuff. you know what you're allowed you're allowed to be expeditional in that part because that's the yeah purpose well of that, that was scene. that was in the dark ages king arthur was going to submit quote unquote when really he was working with the witch's sister and the witch's sister yeah. got her to go off guard. He killed her with Excalibur. And what they had to do was separate her yeah. body into like seven different places. Like seven yeah, parts. Yeah. To make sure she couldn't come back together to be. Uh, she was like the blood. They say blood queen or blood, blood, blood witch, queen, what did call her? I believe. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's that. Um, what we just said in 30 seconds, they did in like five minutes. And it was very. It was surprisingly very quick, but a lot of information coming at you. Like yeah. that's the that's the mojo of this yeah. film is yeah. it tries to keep a quick and pace while also throwing so much exposition at you at once. So they do so they have that scene. I'm like, all right, you're allowed to be exposition heavy. And then they go to the like scene where they introduce Hellboy and it goes to the wrestling rink immediately yeah. after that. And his dad his dad's on the phone and he's just you're in Mexico for this, and you're trying to find this guy. We lost contact with this guy. We think he's double-crossed us. And Hellboy's like, no, he's a good guy. I've worked with him a bunch of times. You drink beer with him all the time. He's your good friend. Oh, but I still want to make sure he's okay. But what if he's a rogue? Like, oh, my God, five minutes in. Can you please Yeah, can you just pull in and just say, hey, I'm at the bar. Are you going to find the guy? We haven't heard from him in three days. Yeah, I'll do my best. Hang up the phone. There you go. <laughs> yes. That's all you need to say. Just hang up the phone. Like... And by the way, the joke of Hellboy's really strong and has trouble controlling his fingers by showing him trying to hang up a phone isn't funny the first time. Don't show it. Yeah, three more I times. agree. Um, like, and this is when he gets there. Like, this is the this is a problem that was reoccurring through the film. There's an interesting idea there where he lost his friend, where he was trying to find his friend who was hunting this vampire clan, and then the vampires in Mexico are never brought back up again. He. Oh, there's a lot of stuff that they basically drop it. The double crossing scheme where he goes to the Osiris clan 
and they double cross him and try and murder him. Do you think you think his dad sending him into this place that double crosses them and tries to kill them is going to be this big huge thing? And he basically gets upset with him for five minutes. Yeah, the dad's just the dad's just like. Like, no, dude, they almost succeeded in killing you, and the only reason they didn't is because two giants came by and murdered all Yeah, and all the dad's people. just like, we got bigger fish to fry. Okay. And then same with uh, the Baba lady. Like, they have a whole thing where he... She could have been dropped out of the whole oh, movie, yeah, and it she, didn't matter. She tells... She kind of helps the boar at the very start, but in reality, we could have just assumed, or they could have just found a way to have him just already be a henchman, like, trying to help the Blood Witch, like, or the Blood Queen. Like, she... So she, but the, she too, like, she has an interesting fight scene. I will give her that. Yeah, it was choreographed, that was choreographed fine. She's a very, she's, she's a very acrobatic fighter. She's, she's made to look like a really kind of haggard old, uh, old woman. Um, she has two peg legs below the knees, so she can't stand up because she can't balance on them because it's just basically. Are we convinced she? Are you convinced she so would she, have been able to stand up if she had her legs, though? I'm just saying, like. <laughs> I don't know, but she has to. She has to crab walk the whole time, and then she's like spinning knives at him and kicking stuff. Like it, it's really neat, but other than a cool fight scene that lasts for three minutes, there's no point in having oh, no. her in this movie. Other than to go, other than to go, hey, in the sequel, we've already established this character exists, like. Why, why yeah no here? there's so many plot points there's so many plot points in the film including that where we just she cooks and eats children. yeah and like that's kind of not explored again like also also her house has ostrich i heart. yeah that well that's that's where he said he banished <laughs> her so yeah, yeah and no, what realm weird. was she in and how was she able to just kidnap him like in the elevator he like she makes the elevator take him to that dimension yeah because they yeah, because he just all of a sudden he's going up in an elevator after yelling at his dad for almost getting killed, and then they, the elevator isn't listening to him. It goes to the ground. He's in this, uh, he's just in this kind of it's, like, it's a, area, like yeah. foggy field. And then the house comes in. He gets in there and starts talking to the lady. He's like, "How did yeah, you get here? Yeah, and then if it, why did why did the elevator going down just transport him to this place? Is there a magical portal at the bottom of the elevator that no one's hit? Can she put yeah. it there?" Explain that to me, movie. Not not for the second time what the beginning of the movie was. I don't need to know that again. I need to know how he got here. And then he just, when when it's over and he jumps out of the house, he just falls out of the ceiling and crashes through the table and essentially the war room yeah. they're working in. And then, like, what she curses him with when she throws him out of the house was what the prophecy of the film was to begin with. So I don't know what that added to it. Yeah, but at least we got to watch her really grossly make I, uh, out with him. Uh, uh, that was so. Oh, that was so gross. <laughs> oh, and, oh, and then he just is just like, you didn't say when that you could have my eye. I was like, uh, I was like, it's like, like, wow, way to come at this from from the perspective I was like, of a five. Come on, movie, really? Okay, like, and then, um, but no, like how we diverge off of that for a little bit. How we have to kind of shoehorn in the whole King Arthur thing into it, and then. We have to have this backstory about how he saved the psychic girl. And then we have to have another five minutes of how uh, the special ops guy was attacked by a monster. So he hates monsters now. Like, there's so... Oh, dude, we've already we've already uh, completely forgot to mention uh, when they established... It was before the Osiris clan tries to kill him. We've completely forgot to talk about how they found him. Uh, wait, uh, wait. 
the Nazis. Oh, oh yeah. We are. We forgot that scene, and it's supposed to be huge because it's supposed to tell you about the character. We forgot. Yeah, it for 10 no, minutes. that's yeah. That wasn't. That's a whole nother. They, there's so many he, set pieces in this film, man. It's kind of hard to keep track the, of them. Yeah. The not the Nazis basically they're losing the war and they want to have like a hail mary to try and win the war, so they summon the devil basically, and then who was the guy that played the Sandman? In that Spider-Man was 3? Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church plays a character called the Lobster, which actually I was okay with. Wait, that was what? Of like, no, that, that was hilarious. Thomas Hayden Church. Whoa, hold on. Yeah. I'm. It what? shows him in the credits. Hold on. I picked I picked up on it before. He was the because I he was the Nazi hunter. Yep, Lobster Johnson. There yeah. he is. He's a lobster. Uh. Yeah, he. I used to watch George of the Jungle a bunch as a kid, and he was the bad guy I that wanted I, to marry the blonde hair. I thought girl I recognized movie. his voice. I just couldn't put it name. I just couldn't put a name to it. Oh yeah, his whole face, his whole head, except for like below his nose down, yeah. is covered. But yeah, he's the lobster, and he goes in, and he's like a special forces guy that's got like a a jolly button on his hand except instead of like making someone go "Ooh, my hand's tingly he like stamps it in their forehead and then he goes this is so the devil knows who sent you and then he shoots them it doesn't it doesn't it's like the batman brand in in uh batman v superman but like they so the nazis try and summon the devil they do the chant and then the lobster shows up and starts yeah like a one man like a one man army by the way which is so stupid i hate that there's literally a scene i don't know if you saw this shot Literally a like two second shot where he's standing in the center of where all the guards are, not wearing bulletproof armor, and all the guards are trained on him because he hasn't taken very many people out at this point. And he's standing there with a pistol, not aiming at anybody, and is just standing in one spot. That's and the spinning. that's the that's one like, the stormtrooper problem where none of the guys can aim worth anything, and then the one oh they didn't and then even the shoot. One, it's not that they can't aim. They and then it's the one-man army trope, too, where the one guy can take out 300 people with no problem. Like, I I hated everything yeah. about, like, the lobster. I, ugh. I, I don't mind the character being in the movie. I had an issue with, like you said, where he doesn't get killed for what he's doing, but I didn't have an issue with him. Um, he's one of the post-credit scenes, and then uh, Peg Leg Paula, she's, in the, she's the other okay, post-credit Okay, uh, let's scene. save, let's... So I'll explain. I'll explain. Yeah, let's save. Let's save the post credits after we talk a little bit more about like the movie itself. But, but so anyway, they established that they went there to kill whatever the Nazis summoned, and because uh, Hellboy's dad was a monster killer, because he was he got in with the Osiris clan because he helped. Him While also Osiris. being a part of the paranormal and, investigative branch of the FBI, right yeah. or whatever, like just the what, yeah, whatever just the, 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 gover- the government, the <laughs> government, dude. It's it's that's something that I couldn't hold on. I couldn't hold that information. <laughs> in my head. But anyway. So, man, they throw so much at this. Um, so then they're like, oh, yeah, he, he helped us hunt giants, and he was taken there because he killed a bunch of mythical creatures, but he saw you, and he knew he had to let you live. And then, which is never fully explained, literally the explanation by the end of the movie for that is, why'd you let me live? Because... Yeah, it just... That's the explanation. Like, it's they give a longer reason than that because everything in this movie well, is so he, long-winded, but that's essentially what the explanation is. He kind of knew that... He had some human in him because once we get to the end of the film, um, we find out exactly who his mom and his father are. Uh, he is part. It's the, it's the Anakin. It's the uh, it's throwback to the Star Wars stuff we were talking about earlier. It's the Anakin Skywalker chosen. Yeah, one it's prophecy. I remind me who the woman was. I don't remember. It was a, some human woman and literally. It's the it was the blind 
chanty witch lady at the Osiris thing's basement? Uh, well, it was well, it was it was the wo- it was a human woman and literally Satan, and they yeah. gave birth to him, and then he happened to be birthed. And then summoned, and oh, then yeah. summoned she, by was, the Nazis. It was, some lady, it was some lady that just randomly decided she's like, "I'm gonna marry the devil." Why would that thought come across your mind? And then they're like, and on their wedding night, I was like, "I don't want to hear about Satan on his yeah, wedding night." Yeah, but but and she had a connect. She had a he flowers this woman and then puts Satan baby yeah. in her, and then Satan baby is summoned by the Nazis. He had one. Okay, one of the lines I did genuinely laugh at is when he comes out of that flashback and he goes, "So I'm a I'm the son of, or I'm the devil." And, or no, I'm like I'm a demon and a Nazi. Great. I was like, <laughs> that's okay, funny. yeah, that was that was kind of funny when he realized all that and he's like, yeah, that was. But no, she, but she had a connection to like King Arthur, so like that's how he was able to. Um... It's King Arthur's like great grandmother. Yeah, but that was how he was able to. Um, basically, like, there's not really. Yeah, there, there's basically not much of a reason to like try and like recap beat for beat for this movie because you could if you guys can't. It'll be a it'll be a three. Yeah, if you guys can't tell, this story, like I was saying, is beyond bloated. So once, uh, obviously, she gets put back together, and the prophecy we now realize is she needs a king, the the blood queen. She needs a king, and throughout the film, there is this shadow, this kind of prophecy that Hellboy is going to bring about the apocalypse with her. And his weapon to do that is Excalibur, but Excalibur is also the only weapon that will be able to kill the Blood Queen. So, the scene, the scene where they show him realize what would happen if he had Excalibur, coolest scene in the movie, and someone for the love of God make a video. Dude, game I that. was so distracted with the music behind that, just the heavy rock music behind that. I was like, what kind of tone are you trying to set with this? Shut, shut. Shocker of all shocks, I was okay with the heavy metal scene. <laughs> I figured you would. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you're like, I had an issue with the music. I, th- I, thought all, all. I thought all the random rock music in this was kind of such a jarring, like, clash of tone, like, versus just, like, a regular score. Like, because when the demons do come up uh, to start destroying London, uh, it had, like, a normal, dark, kind of orchestraic score to it i'm like where was this the rest of the film like because it wasn't really in it that much yeah um but um but no so basically like there's the scene where he sees the the, uh what would happen if he touched excalibur he says no and then we'll just jump ahead to uh the big conflict she has brought everybody back from the dead she's killed the boar creature that um Oh, by the way, the boar, you said you were okay with the CGI on the boar. That was one of the things that took Really? You you thought it looked ugly? It okay, here's the thing. It looked like they made a costume a ma- a costume with makeup yeah. and everything. And then they tried to do what the Jurassic Park movies did, which is we technically did this with practical effects and we're going to use CGI to touch it up. Which, that's what it looked like. It looked like they touched it up. It didn't look fully rendered in it. But the parts that were touched up in it were so unbelievably bad. Like, the mouth didn't look... The mouth looked... the Like, the rest of the costume looked like skin. And then it'd get to the mouth. The mouth looked like rubber. The hair looked too... Like, one thing that I've noticed with this current generation of... Uh, 
video game consoles, Xbox One, PlayStation 4. Um, I don't know about PC. I don't play on PC. I play yeah. PlayStation 4. Um, while the graphics are better, you can see individual hairs. It's still not 100% natural looking because something about the hairs yeah. looks artificial. And that's what it looked like on that thing. Like it, it looked, it looked like a practical thing that they made, not natural. It looked I will, really. I weird. will agree when she enchanted him and got bigger. Like I'm saying, like I was saying here when they got to the church, like they did have to fight the boar first, and then that's when we also yeah. realized that the that the special ops guy um, during his attack, when he was attacked by a monster, he ended up becoming able to transform into a giant leopard monster himself. So, Oh, we, by the way, we skipped over the whole part where they have a battle at, at the tree. That's big to the witch's power. Um, no joke. I actually thought that is where the movie was going to end. There was half an hour. After yeah. That I, I knew that was where the climax was going to, I could tell that was where just the climax was about to start. I knew that wasn't going to go well. I, I thought, I thought it was going to end with like when she was going in the portal and going away, I was like, Okay, kind of a weird thing for the villain to win at the end of the movie, but it sets, it's a good setup for the sequel. And then they go, "Oh, we gotta go get the poison needle thing out of her neck." And I was like, "Oh no, yeah, we're not." That's done. yeah, and so that the poison needle. That's where they go to the cave where Excalibur is. The guy that shows him Excalibur fixes the girl. Jump to this battle. They fight the boar thing. They beat the boar, but then, uh, or no, the boar is about to beat them. But then the queen is like, "Stop! We need Hellboy alive." And then she betrays the boar, kills him, and and then she shows Hellboy where Excalibur is, right under the church, conveniently, the whole time. <laughs> the, to- the tomb of King Arthur that no one's ever been able to find is just in some famous church in London, and no one thought to look yeah, under the floor. Yeah, for reasons. Not, not like they have to walk down a, a hidden corridor and just put in some weird passcode and be magical. No, you literally just have to smash the floor, and he's directly yeah. under your feet. Yeah, so... She says, be my king, take Excalibur. And he does. And honestly, I thought this shot was kind of cool when he picked up the sword and it turned into flames and his horns grew. And that money shot of him standing, coming up out of that. He had, he had the horn in between his horns. He had a crown. Honestly, that money shot was kind of cool. I thought that was, um, and we're, and we're intercutting between that and shots of these monsters coming up from the ground in London, killing a bunch of people too. Because once once he grabs it and he starts walking up for the money shot, they after he comes out, there's a scene where the floor rips in the church and it literally becomes like a passage to hell, and all of these uh, demons start coming out, uh, demons and monsters. Frankly, these monsters are really cool. Like there's one where it's it's like, uh, did you ever see that show? I don't remember. Is Ah Real Monsters? Uh, a handful of episodes. Yeah. Do you remember the monster that didn't have eyeballs unless he? Held oh yeah, the little hands? the little naked dude. Yeah, well they have a they have one like that except for the arms aren't technically connected to the body; they're floating next to it, and then when it opens its mouth, it throws up lava. I um, don't. I got. Uh, I'd have to watch it again to remember that one. There were so many strange little creatures in this. My favorite. My favorite one was it was walking down the street. And its feet were basically like giant spikes. Oh, yeah. And with every step it took, it stepped on a person and killed them. And then because it kept stepping, it was, they were like getting pushed further and further <laughs> up its leg. There's, there's like, like we said, there are some things in this movie that are good. You can see where the good ideas yeah. were in this movie. And to me, these mon- like these monsters 
were part of that. They were fantastic yeah. monster designs. Um, they didn't get as much screen time yeah. as I would have liked. But also, the CGI on these, you can tell they're fake. The design of them is good, but the execution of yeah. that design there, is bad. I, that's, I think there was a lot of producer-mandated rewrites that kind of just got all blended together, and then they didn't feel like sifting through like what was worth keeping in it. This... This entire movie, I my summary of this entire movie can be exactly like how those monsters are. Good ideas and good like good things in it. Execution absolutely terrible and it makes yeah. the movie horrible. So I mean it's just we're basically at the end of the film. Basically, um he picks up Excalibur and um the only reason that he's not fully seduced is because um the psychic runs over to um, the dead body of his father. Um, before he picks up Excalibur, I mm-hmm. skipped it. I skipped this detail. But before he picks up Excalibur, uh, the witch kills his dad in front of him, saying, like, join me or I kill your dad. And then she killed his dad. He said no. And then she goes, all right, cool. And then she, like, basically, Meg in that episode of Family Guy where they get superpowers just grows her nail out really long and sharp and just yeah. cuts his jugular. So she runs over to him, and she's got this power that she used previously for a shocker a lot of exposition from a ghost <laughs> does it again to ian mcshane and brings his spirit out and convinces and reminds hellboy that he's a good person and talks him out of it be becoming the king of the or the bringer of the apocalypse it's an effect that was used in a horror movie somewhere around like 2009 oh i know exactly which one you're talking um, about yes the haunting in connecticut it was the, it was yes the haunting in Connecticut. It was the poster where the kid has like ectoplasm. Yes, I thought of, of that too. Imagine, imagine if at the end of that there was someone's torso and then like basically someone's bust, basically with arms. Is yeah, the head is perfectly is. fine, but the rest of the body is that weird, gooey kind of. Also, also CGI rears its ugly head again because man, you can tell what was a human face and what was human, and then what was yes, CGI. I, that because I, his head, I was like. Dude, it doesn't even look like it has the same lighting shadow oh, on it. Could... It looks like it looks like it looks like the CGI looks like the light is coming from behind it, and then on him it looks like the lighting is coming from the top. You could of his almost head see down. a hard composite cut just in their neck. Like I will agree that CGI was bad. Oh no, you can not even almost. It was you yeah, can. that CG was bad. Um, so anyway, he tells Hellboy that he's a good person, and he cuts the queen's head off again. The well, the queen gets her head cut off again, and then. He, I did kind of laugh when he was just like, where she's like, I will return. And he's like, don't get ahead of yourself. And then just drops her head into hell. And just throws her. <laughs> I did kind of laugh yeah. when he shrugged that, that, realizing that he was going to say a terrible pun. And then the, the other thing that was kind of nuts about that. So like, at the, at, okay, so he throws her down there and he lets go of Excalibur and all the monsters start getting dragged back to hell. And they're just, and they're acting like, oh, this is a happy ending. And I was like, dude. The spawn of the devil were walking the earth and killed a lot of people, and now you're like, "Yay, happy ending!" No, just like dude, the end of Venus, like, just like people saw the apocalypse happen. A lot of people died. Kind of no like at the raptured. end of most superhero films, where we're like, "We saved the day," and then the city's literally on fire. Like, <laughs> yeah, but something about this—the tones. Well, yeah, this was the apocalypse. This was the. It didn't feel like he won, and it didn't feel triumphant. It just felt like he was like. Yeah. yeah, we're done. Like, <laughs> no yeah. triumph in it. So, so um, then, anyway, so, we we talked briefly about 
this scene where honestly the fight was kind of lame all to re- all this fight um they go they have to so, go to this warehouse um and it's not clear why they're fighting all these guys but then we get the fan service stinger where they get to this giant shape of water like tube and it's like whatever the name of that creature is and it's the water guy from the original hellboy he slams his hand against the tube and then it cuts to black Oh, yeah, but Dan's making this a lot more simple than it was because the church scene ends, right? And it ends with, like, those, like, ha-ha, fade to black and go to credits, like, quippy one-liner type things, right? It's like, all right, cool, and it fades to black, and then it goes six months later, and then I literally went, oh, come on! And this battle scene lasts five minutes. Yeah, it's... It's a long scene. It is honestly not even the best sequence in the film action-wise, like... It's just kind of lame. Yeah. It's hard to follow because uh, the camera's just yeah. It's trying to it's trying to be right. like a tracking oh, shot. One thing. One thing. One thing. Not really like the story of the movie wise that I had a problem with that we haven't addressed yet. Uh, there, ha- I don't know how many editors there were. There were three editing styles uh, in this movie. There was a guy who did a bunch of jump cuts. There was a guy who did a bunch of whip around shots, and then there's a guy who did that like slow motion fast exposure right. type thing where like it slowed things down but when the camera moved things became blurry. oh like, yeah i know what you're talking about um it annoyed the it annoyed it said the there's, it's, it says me. there's only one um, credited editor but i do get what you're saying like well that guy apparently was like for my resume i'm gonna show that i can do all these different styles even if it is incredibly distracting yeah. in this movie <laughs> um but yeah, so they they do like he said they do the fan service thing and then they do the credits and they do the yeah. post credits and stuff, a, and so. again the... I don't care send me hate mail I this isn't a Marvel film and I was done with this movie when when that happened yeah. so what are the two post credit so, scenes that I missed because we gotta we gotta wrap this up so the the mid the mid credit scene is uh, Hellboy is at a grave I honestly don't remember whose grave it was I'm almost positive why would it be anybody else's. Um, <laughs> It might it might be Ruiz's. I don't know. The, oh right, the right, right, guy right. that became the vampire. I can't I can't remember whose it was. It, but gotcha. I think it was one of those two. Um, so he's at a grave, and then the lobster shows up and just starts talking to him. I don't remember what he says because I didn't care. And uh, then that scene ends, and then you go to the end of the movie, and Pegleg Paula is talking to a guy, and she goes. I want to help boys. I kill him and bring me his eye and I'll give you your greatest wish. And then he goes, and what's like some weird accented voice. So it's like Russian. Um, and it was really deep and kind of it, like the voice itself was weird. Um, and he goes, and what's that? And she goes, I will finally let you die. And then it, ends. did you see who, did you so see who that was? Fans of Hellboy, please. No, no, you don't see. It's literally, it looks like you're looking at his eyes across the table at peg like Paula. So, Fans of Hellboy, if you know who they're referencing in that, please let us know. Neither um, of us know, and after the movie, neither of us really cared to research I'm trying, who that was. I was trying to pull it up here, but um, this article's not giving me anything super obvious. But uh, No, it's... Uh, was that the only one, though? Oh, okay. That's right. So nothing... Okay, Peg leg yeah, Paula nothing, and the nothing really happening in the. Uh... Can we get a movie? <laughs> that sounds like an album title or a band name. <laughs> um, I... 
Hello, Vermont. We are Pedro okay, and we... Paula and the Lobsters. <laughs> here we here we go. Um, there's no clue as to who the character could be. An appearance by Rasputin, who was briefly introduced in the film, then promptly killed by Lobster Johnson, is out of the question, uh, given his history of resurrection. But it's more likely that the character is Koshi the Deathless, the character from the Hellboy comic Darkness Rising. Um, so, sure, let's leave it at that. Um, uh, yeah. So, fi- the- final thoughts. Uh, don't don't waste your money on this movie. This movie, um, honestly, is... I mean, even if you are a gore fanatic, like, honestly, like... It's a pretty gory yeah. movie. I'll give it that. Like, the scene where he fights the three giants... Yeah, no, that, awesome. that was the best part of the film for me. And, I mean, even though the blood is... Yes, absolutely, Even though the blood yes. is all CGI, like Ninja Assassin, like, I remember Ninja Assassin coming out, and it was advertised as, like, one of the bloodiest ninja movies you'll see this you'll see ever. And all the CGI was blood. I was like, okay, that makes it a little less, like, cool. There's blood, but it's yeah. fake. Like, that's kind of the problem here, where basically all the blood is fake. So that kind of took me out of it, just like, I don't know, you didn't take the you would rather pay for somebody to make fake blood than just use real blood i mean a lot i mean yeah the cg characters yeah. but i i don't know i i was a little not underwhelmed but i was just like oh, okay cool i guess i should have expected it all to be cg i guess but it's i mean yeah. it's i mean yeah it's still bloody though and they swear a lot so they definitely stood yeah. strong by they they delivered what they promised it was definitely a hard r yeah my my closing thought on the film um the movie's not very good but the problem the thing with it is is it's not because it's not exactly like the other ones i honestly don't have an issue with um deviating from that my issue with it is all of the things that they did wrong filmmaking wise and the way the story is told yeah oh my god it is so for a 2 hour long movie it is so rushed. It's it honestly it suffers from like I said with Bat where we compared it to Batman v Superman. It suffers from needing to slow down, but the movie's so long you can't really slow it yeah, down. Yeah, that's my final thoughts on the film. It's a pretty remarkable achievement when your movie can feel too when your movie can feel too long and rushed at the same time. Uh the CGI yeah. is hit and miss. Um the editing does not help what I was what we were saying about like the writing of the film being all over the place. This was like aesthetically, like if you're 16, like you could forget, you'll probably forgive all that for the sheer thrill of just a lot of swearing and a lot of violence. But honestly, like for anybody that doesn't get swept up in just the the aesthetics of the film in that regard, like this is a, this is a slog. This was not a good film. Yeah. All right. On that note. Let's get out of 2019 and go back to 1969. We'll be right back to talk about Easy Rider. All right, welcome back, everybody. Once again, Nick and I took our weekly trip into the time machine. This time, we went to 1969 to check out the Dennis Hopper classic Easy Rider, starring himself, Dennis Hopper, Peter Fonda, and Jack Nicholson. This film is a basically just a road trip movie. We follow two bikers, one named Captain America, 
when we later find out his name is Wyatt, and his friend Billy, as they go on this road trip after making a drug deal, using those profits to buy two motorcycles and take a trip across America to New Orleans to check out Mardi Gras. Nick, you never saw this film before. Tell me what your thoughts were. Uh, not really a fan of it. <laughs> um, what was it? What was so it? Like, what was it like for you while you were watching it? So, so like we said last week, there's usually, uh, usually it's the time machine movie, but occasionally, uh, it'll be the movie we see in theaters where we want immediate reactions to the movie via text message. Uh, last week it was death sentence, and I wanted Dan to basically text me his thoughts throughout the movie. Um, this week, uh. I hadn't seen the movie, so I was texting Dan throughout it, and funny enough, Dan was on the phone almost the entire time I was watching this movie and texting him, um, so he basically like got all those text messages at once. Every so... single text message was almost the same thing, too, and I was just dying laughing, because <laughs> I, I, I had a long phone call about plans I have coming up, yeah. but... Uh... So, so let, me, let me preface this by saying... Um, I don't know if our listeners, if you guys have kind of picked up on the type of movies I love, the type of movies I don't like, the things in movies I like, and the things I don't like. Um, this one's not really been brought up that much because this is one of the first, like, heavy atmosphere-driven movies. Um, I'm not a big fan of those. Uh, so, for perspective, uh, to me, one of the most uh, heavy atmosphere movies I've ever watched in my life, where they spend so much of the movie just setting up the atmosphere and making you realize what the world is, and it just makes the movie super long, um, Blade Runner and the Blade Runner sequel that was out, I think it was last year or the year before. Uh, yeah, t- I t- 2049. Yeah. I didn't really like those movies, but I can understand why they are so well-liked. It was exactly the same for this movie. I this movie spends so much of the time building atmosphere that it's not my type of movie. So I'm not going to knock it saying it's a terrible movie, but it's just not for me. So like one of the things I told Dan while watching it or once it ended was if you take out all the shots of them just riding around and enjoying life, this movie is 45 minutes long. It's an hour and 35 minute movie. There's that much just, oh, look at them riding motorcycles. Yeah. And not to not to sound, you know, careless, but, you know, I like motorcycles. I like cars. But if there's no, it's not a chase. Like, it's not Smokey and the Bandit where, yeah, they spend a lot of time riding around in the car, but they're being chased and they have a timeline. Here it's just, we want to get to Mardi Gras. And that's it. That's all. That's the only time frame they have. And Mardi Gras lasts a while, so they don't have to technically be there the whole time. They just want to get there eventually. Just a lot of shots of them riding through the desert. And, oh, look, there's a mountain. And, oh, look, like, I, I can tell that this was pretty groundbreaking because it had to change the way movies were filmed. I can't think of a movie that I know of from before this that would have been filmed like this where it's it's got such grand visuals in it where it's letting the nature of the scene be the grand visual not an action set piece yeah Um, no this was definitely this is definitely heralded for that reason like being uh it's it's heralded as like one of the groundbreaking films to 
bring this new type of avant-garde filmmaking to it yeah. to to, to can, america and i can absolutely see that just for me that is not the type of movie i want to see like for me the kind of world building i want like in star wars i'm a big star wars fan you don't have to just hold five to ten minute long shots of like th- like literally the cantina scene in a new hope they pan around that thing for 30 seconds and I get it. I'm like, oh, cool. Smuggler's bar, rough area. You don't want a, a place where you are you run into the worst kind of creatures in the galaxy. Got it. Cool. 30 <laughs> seconds. This movie, it's like, hey, did you know they're riding motorcycles through the desert? Because we're going to show you 25 minutes of them riding through the motor, riding on motorcycles through the desert. Also, they like doing drugs, so there's a lot of trippy scenes. Like, my God, man. It, it, it kind of came across... It, honestly, it came across like a movie where two guys wanted to just buy motors, like custom motorcycles and expensive audio video equipment, and then wanted to, and then wanted to go on a road trip to Mardi Gras. And they were like, "Hey, how can we get away with uh, paying for get, uh, for getting these for free? Oh, let's make a movie with it and call it a tax write-off, and then just keep the stuff." <laughs> um, I see. I, I see. I see. I mean, I get what you. I get. I get what you now, what now you mean again, by that but i want i want to reiterate i am not saying this is a bad movie it is just not for me gotcha see i this is uh only my second time having watched it which um makes me feel bad because i have the criterion edition but i just keep not making time to watch it so yeah <laughs> um but i did see this before i got the criterion edition um while i was at school when i when i was at film school and um, I hadn't realized I didn't remember as much of the film as I did because it's probably been I, I, I can't remember if I saw it in 2011 or 12, but it's definitely been like seven ish years since I'd saw it. And yeah, I do remember um, some of the jarring kind of editing because there are some weird choices with the editing. Like uh, there's a couple of scenes where they transition with like I, these like flash cuts where it's like. That, like, it kind of wants to go to the next scene, but it can't decide if it wants to. That's honestly my biggest criticism of of the movie, where I consider it to be bad filmmaking and not the movie being for me. Well, this was... When, when it did it, I, I had to watch it on Hulu. I honestly was thinking, I was like, oh, is something wrong with the source file? And then it kept happening, and I was like, no, this is just the movie. Yeah, I didn't realize... I, for, I remember that happening, like, once, but, like, I didn't realize it happened that many times. But, um... But I, um... Uh, but no, like uh, it, this is this is honestly a kind of film that's kind of in my wheelhouse. Um, I yeah. I unlike Nick like films that really lean on um, atmosphere. I like show don't tell, and this is a film that definitely is all about showing and not telling. And this film, and especially reading about it afterwards, um, and the couple other things I read like back then when I saw it, this was a film that wanted to capture a slice of time not like a slice of life like say boyhood or uh, other films where it's um all about like life experiences like that way this wanted to capture the times of the counterculture of the the late 60s this was filmed in 68 it was released in 69 and it wanted to really not tell a story 
like in your typical like narrative like point a point b point c there's a there's a point to the journey that they're going on but it wanted to tell the story of these guys who are loners outlaws uh just living life and they are they want they want to have their kind of freedom their version of freedom is just being able to just be on the road do drugs meet people and um just not have to worry about unnecessary like the gut like the government and going off to vietnam not all these things that are just in their mantra in their mindset the just things that take away from the human experience take away from what it many from what they believe should be life uh that kind of that kind of that kind of consumerism yeah that kind of commune that kind of commune type of living the hippie movement um so in a way yeah this is very much a criticism of capitalism this film is very much open to um the legalization not just decriminalization of drugs this film is about this film is about that movement that um just that counterculture like let's find a way to live in peace and harmony and try to find a way where the class system doesn't harm anybody and it doesn't put anybody up like in the one percent like um this movie That's does the worst bernie impression I've ever <laughs> this this movie really <laughs> wanted to try to capture that spirit and leave it and have it as like a time capsule in this film and i think that this film does an ex- does an excellent job of that. I think Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper did a great job in trying to make, like I said, a time capsule for for this time, and that is where this film became so groundbreaking. And okay. I think I think yeah. it, and and I I I'm an easy lay for films like this. I like films that want to uh, just give you an atmosphere to just kind of roll with. Like I. It's all about the it's all about the visuals, and I honestly I do love films like that. I'm not opposed to like a typical narrative, but I do love so, films like this where it's all about the experience, not so much so the story I, itself. I'm okay with world building. It's just at for me, I just reach a point where I'm like, dude, I get it. <laughs> they're in America and they're riding through the desert on motorcycles. I get it. Can you pick it up? Can you keep going? bring me something else well the thing in the but, well in the vignette in the vignettes like that's really what it is it's just a series of vignettes like um yeah. was there any vignette that really like else well i'll ask which vignette did you dislike the most and which vignette did you like the most out of like the four or five that uh the four or five different stopping points that they had i disliked the the one i disliked the most was when they stopped at that one guy's place to change the flat or fix the flat because they don't show that he gets a flat tire. Like it does, it doesn't show them in one of the gratuitous shots of them riding motorcycles. Um, it doesn't really show them like him kind of like wobble or shake or look at his tire or something like that to indicate he's got a flat. It just shows them wake up, ride for a bit, and then they pull into this guy's barn and they're like, "Can we use your barn to fix my flat tire?" So it abruptly cuts to that. So I didn't understand the point of it, and then it just like. Out of all of the vignettes they have, that was the one that felt like the most unnecessary and the one where like it accomplished nothing. Because when they left, I was like, I actually verbally said, I was like, what is the point of that? Um, the one I liked the most uh, was the one involving uh, 
Jack Nicholson. Once Jack Nicholson came into the like the chunk of the movie with Jack Nicholson in it is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I'm not fully convinced Jack Nicholson was acting. I think they just go, "Hey, here's your name," and then he just acted weird. Um, <laughs> Funny you say that. I got some trivia about the dialogue <laughs> of the film. Uh, so, so, uh, I liked his chunk of the movie a lot. He. The funny thing is, this is kind of embarrassing for me to admit. Um, until Jack Nicholson showed up in the movie, I thought Dennis Hopper was Jack Nicholson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes off his glasses at one point, and because I was like, I was like, man, Jack Nicholson looks kind of weird. And then he takes off his glasses, and I was like, that really doesn't look like Jack Nicholson to me. And then Jack Nicholson is in the jail cell with them. And he wakes up, and I was like, oh, my God, is he having an out-of-body experience where he's seeing what he'd be like if he was a regular 9-to-5 guy? And then I was also like, or is the regular 9-to-5 guy on a bender and just imagining him being this outlaw? And then the movie's like, no, they're not the same people. And then I found out that they were different characters. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I, yeah, I... That's funny. So just just to make sure I am hearing you at the hearing you right, uh, you you did figure out which one was which. Like Peter Fonda was yes. the one with the the, the sideburns. Dennis Hopper the was the one with the, the stash. Stop sideburns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I just for some reason I don't know why I don't know what they kind of look alike, and I don't know if it's because they put the sunglasses on him, it made him look more like Jack Nicholson. But I was like, man, Jack Nicholson looks really skinny, and his head looks kind of different. And then they introduce, and then Jack Nicholson just shows up in the movie, and I was like, oh wait, I had the wrong guy. Yeah, I I'm gonna agree with you that that half of the film is the strongest half. Like, um, up to that point, like yeah, they they do the deal, uh, they get the bikes, and then they get the flat tire, and then. Um, before we get to there, they pick up the hitchhiker and they take the hitchhiker to the hippie commune. Um, which, what did you, what, what, what did you think? what did you think about that scene? That was a really weird scene. I, I kind of, I kind of dug it. I kind of liked that they, um, that they were there, that they were embracing it. And I get, I kind of got, I kind of, <laughs> I, I, to I me, it kind of thought at that at that scene, I kind of thought I was like, I get it. The movie takes place in the '60s. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of liked that what they were trying to do with that, like trying to kind of, I guess, promote. I don't know, if promote's the right word, but um, just try to do, uh, glorify a little bit that that kind of simple living, not the. Not... I would I would say just show. I wouldn't glor. I don't think glorify really because I don't think it glorifies it, but I don't think it demonizes it. I think it just goes, hey, this is how life is. Yeah, it shows the hardships that you would go through in that way, but also I think it tries to show that or try to promote that the this is the kind of hardships that we should because that we should have to go through. We shouldn't have to go through any yeah. hardships more than just trying to get food and just make each other happy and entertain each other like that community yeah but um i do also agree that it's not the strongest part of the film either um i mean i did like the sequence but um so then after they go through there um they get arrested for (laughs) they get arrested for joining the um that parade without a permit (laughs) that's the funniest arrest i've ever heard what do you mean parading without a permit (laughs) You know who this is? This is Captain America. <laughs> um, which I remember, like at that part, I was just like, um, I had to think for a second. I was like, oh wait, did they, did they give any kind of background story to it? Um, so then in my reading 
there apparently was a cut whole backstory about them being motorcycle stuntmen that was ended up getting cut from the oh, film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I thought he was just saying that to try and convince the cop to let him go. Yeah, because he has the big American flag on his back. Uh, but well, I mean, yeah, I I, I I I thought he just called him Captain America because he was a uh, red, white, and blue motorcycle, had a red, white, and blue helmet, yeah. American flag on the back of his jacket. I, but I thought that was just him, like, desperate to not miss Mardi Gras, that he was just making stuff up. Yeah, that's kind of how it comes across without that knowledge, obviously. But I was reading about um, how the script kind of had that um, in the beginning, but then it obviously mm-hmm. ended up getting cut. To which I will then now segue into a, a bit of trivia that I know about the, the script itself. This film actually didn't go into production really with a script. They had an outline. Shocker. <laughs> they had an outline of the story. so little talking in it. Shocker. They had an outline of the story and they had Wyatt and Billy's names. And that was kind of it. <laughs> they had <laughs> they had the bullet points of the various little vignettes that would happen. So, including so once I got say, cut out of the film. Is, what you're saying is, my idea about this possibly being for tax purposes, so people can just own really cool things for free, might have some traction. Uh, it's it's got traction. It's not 100 percent true, but there is traction. Uh, they, Conspiracy. <laughs> they wanted. They did want to. Uh, they, Peter and Dennis, wanted to make this film uh, because of criticism that they received about. Uh, well, I mean, not exactly because of criticism that they got from another film that they made together called The Trip. But they wanted mm-hmm. to kind of take the spirit of the characters from this film, The Trip. And um, they were criticized for uh, inauthentically portraying the characters the way that they wanted to. Because it was also another attempt at like ma- the dramatizing the counterculture. And so they kind of wanted to do it better with this film. So um, this is technically their second collaboration together trying to tell this story. But like I was saying, they went into this without really having the script. Uh, they just kind of knew the story that they wanted to tell, which, I mean, obviously, like you were saying, and we're agreeing, that's why it's more atmospheric than really narrative. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, so they get arrested, and then this is the best part of the film. We meet Jack Nicholson. He's a lawyer and a very hard alcoholic. And <laughs> Dude, he... him, him with the Jack Nicholson voice... And then a southern accent was amazing. Oh, and the when he takes the swig of the Jim Beam and he goes, Nicka, 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 like that weird little thing he and, did. Like, and he's like, like how's he talk? Because he's like, he's got the Louisiana accent. Yeah, it's so unique. It's like hearing Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice with like a Canadian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the chopper, eh? <laughs> if it's blades. We can kill it, don't you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, he smooth talks the the sheriffs, gets them to go out of gets them out of prison or jail, and then that's when Billy and Wyatt tell him that they're going to go to Mardi Gras, and he just kind of like guilts them into it, like, oh, I miss, oh man, I love New Orleans. The governor of Louisiana even gave me this uh, the address of this really nice brothel. And then Peter Fonda's is just like, boys, you gotta go there. It's supposed to be the best in the state. Oh no! He, what did he, oh what did he say? It was a. Uh, these aren't. Uh, was it waffles? Uh, these aren't. Or no, these aren't. Um, what did he compare the women to? Because the line was kind of funny, even though it's kind of not PC. But um, <laughs> I have no idea. He I don't said remember. he said something about like uh, these are these women. Uh, he said some kind of meat, and he was just like. 
Oh no, these wi- these, these women, women aren't. Are, oh, I know what it was. These these aren't your pork chops. These women are USDA prime. Yes, I the pork chops is what I forgot. Yes, I <laughs> I laughed so hard at that line, even though that's kind of a not okay thing to say now. <laughs> I still laughed at it. Um, so then Peter Fonda, like I was saying, was just like, okay, well you got a helmet, and he's like, oh, I got a helmet. And he puts on this this old Michigan football s- helmet without a face mask. Yeah, this Michigan University <laughs> helmet. Um, and he gets his Michigan University sweater on with the big uh, gold M on it, and they just hit the yeah. road together. And um, and then they get to the. They show him goofing off on motorcycles for ten minutes, and I was like, I get it, movie. They got they picked up a hitchhiker. Yeah, um, but then they have that uh, they have that talk and the campfire. Um, no, no, no. They they go to the gas that the gas station. They go to oh the, the diner. diner first. Yeah, you're right. The and diner. And then the the girls are fawning over them, but the cops make them uncomfortable, so they get up and leave after three minutes. And I was like, what is the point of this scene? Well, no, the point of that scene was the contrast between the youth and the the greatest generation, because oh, yeah. those guys, all they were saying. Which is funny. I, I there was motivation that Peter gave them to work with because all of those lines were improv and they were actual locals that like lived in that town. Those weren't actors. The girls huh. were just told to just kind of swoon over them, get impressed with like the long hair, the leather, the bikes. The one girl that's like, "Ooh, I like the football helmet." Yeah, I like the the one girl that was like, which which he doesn't leave on the motorcycle. He wears it as he walks in the restaurant and sits down, and then he sits down for a little bit and then takes it off. Yeah, like he forgot he was wearing. It. I like the girl that was like, "Ooh, I like the red shirt and the white suspenders." I thought that was funny. Yeah, but the guys were just kind of like, they were saying some really the to- derogatory things, like not just about them but like comparing them to um other people that they don't like that i don't want to repeat here (laughs) um because that was really vulgar um yeah but the motivation that uh dennis hopper gave those guys say that he told them that hey you when we walk in we are the guys that you heard assaulted and murdered a girl just outside of town so that was their motivation for kind of uh when their first impressions of them when they walked into Mm -hmm. that diner and then i love that kind of so i mean they use that derogatory like oh look at that hippie with the long hair i bet these guys are just here to gangbang and like whatever they were talking about um don't remember don't remember it verbatim but what they were trying to have an orgy and leave or something like that yeah what they were trying to do was just kind of show the difference between like again the youth and then how the greatest generation it would have been kind of stereotyped uh the youth in that way um so then yeah now it's the campfire scene with the ufo monologue which was amazing yeah and by the way not just the the marijuana that they were smoking at that part all of the marijuana they were smoking was 100 percent real I was convinced the cocaine they snorted at the beginning was real. That was not. That that and the LSD trip that we'll get to here in a sec, um, those weren't real. And Peter fought, or uh, I can't remember if it was Peter or Dennis, one of them said in an interview that all the marijuana was real, but they didn't have the money to get the actual LSD or cocaine. <laughs> oh my God. Like, jokingly or not, I just read it. I don't know what the tone was, but uh, but yeah, all the marijuana was real. So that just made me laugh even harder when uh, Dennis Hopper was like, 
I just saw something in the sky, man. Like, I know I'm stoned, but I saw it in the sky. Yeah. And then the whole conspiracy of just like, they're gonna, we have leaders out there. They don't have leaders. They just all work together in harmony. Another kind of allusion to communism. The hippie commune thing, yeah. Exactly. Another thing of communism. And you know what kind of panic that would cause? We have leaders, and the leaders have to keep us calm. Like, just everything about that monologue, just, I, I loved it. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then they get bludgeoned to death. Yeah! In their sleep. Well, on, actually, only Jack Nicholson does. Yeah. And, and then and then the movie went back to nothing. And it was and it was me. those and it was those <laughs> it was those guys. Um it was those guys from the from the diner. Um just we don't like you, so we're gonna kill you. Which is a permanent which is uh foreshadowing to the very end of the film and kind of tells that 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 tragic story because ultimately this wanted to be a tragedy for these characters. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, they they want to honor George. That's the character's name. They want to honor George's memory by going to this. So they go to the whorehouse. Yeah. So they go to this brothel, <laughs> and in memory of George. Yeah. And Peter Fonda doesn't really want to have uh, relations with anybody, so they go out into Mardi Gras, and they have some fun. Uh, they just kind of they go through a montage of them going through Mardi Gras. Which fun fact that. That film looks as bad as it does because that film got exposed before it was processed. So that's why. Oh. Okay. So that's so that's why the drop in the film quality itself really went down the toilet in that sequence. I was like, I was like, man, this looks really bad. That that makes sense. Well, the film itself was shot like ninety five percent with natural lighting because Peter Fonda said, and I quote, "God is the best gaffer." <laughs> so. Um, so anyway, they go they go through there, and then they get to a graveyard, and that's when Peter Fonda pulls out a tab of LSD, uh, which I didn't. I my apologies for not mentioning it earlier in the film. When he's at the hippie commune, the hippie that uh, was their hitchhiker that they dropped off there gave him the tab and said, "You'll know when you're in the right place with the right people. Take this. It could be here, but you'll know." And obviously, he doesn't take it there. So they yeah. take it so they take it in the graveyard and this was a I mean they did a great job of making the scene trippy but not really glorifying it because yeah. one of the girls is screaming and crying and crying the whole time. Yeah, and Peter Fonda, he is crying on that statue too like they go on a pretty gnarly bad trip. Yeah. And I mean and it's and it's not one of those ones where like uh it's not one where it's like, oh, and there's a spider, but it's got the head of a baby doll on it, and then it blinks and it yeah. like, cries Cheetos. Like it's not, it's it's <laughs> cries not, Cheetos. It's not showing. You... <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just saying, like it's not showing you what they're seeing. Yeah, it's it just it's kind of films everything weird, and then it just shows you, it just shows them reacting to it. Yeah, it's the the the, the overstimulation that. Uh, the LSD would put you in in that psychological mindset. It honestly kind of reminded me of climax because that was actually pretty close to how everybody reacts in climax when they get when they get drugged with LSD. Okay. Like it's not. It definitely is just the whole point of it is that you're feel bad for these guys because they didn't want to get drugged and it's a bad trip. They didn't want to take this to feel great while they're dancing. Like same yeah. with these guys. Like they wanted to take it. I mean, for, for the experience, but then. The, that experience is just so overwhelming that like it frightened one of them 
and the other girl just got naked and just wanted to have sex with uh, Dennis Hopper and or uh, no, he was she was with Peter Fonda. The one with Dennis Hopper was the one that was just crying. Yeah. And then uh, another bit <laughs> of trivia about what Dennis Hopper was crying about when he said, "Why, mommy?" His mom actually killed herself when he was ten. His character or, or his, his or no in in real life. Sorry, in real life he did lose his mom to suicide when he was a kid. Okay. So Dennis asked him to draw on that when he was crying on that statue, just hugging it. Yeah. So that sequence just, uh, so then it goes through that sequence. And then we're basically like near the end of the film. Um, I'm trying to remember, uh, remind me if there was, um, there wasn't really that much closure to the prostitutes. They kind of just, uh, they kind of just don't have, they just kind of just aren't with them anymore. Right. I don't remember anything in between that. And then the final, what ends up being the final... Uh, they take them back to the house, and then they're just riding their motorcycles on, on their way, and then you see two good old boys, and Okay, them, right, yeah. Before we really get into how that scene goes, um, the one that ends up doing the, the bad thing, um, he might want to go to the doctor to get that thing checked out on his neck. Oh, dude, he needs to go see a dentist, too. Dude. <laughs> well, dude, that... I think he had a tumor on his neck... Or, like, uh, not a sty, but, like, a big pustule or something. that it, it looked infected or like a tumor. It did not look healthy. It's a tumor. <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, basically, um, now, yeah, they're just going back on the road. And um, they, these good old boys, these rednecks, they just don't like these guys. They, the the guy their he, truck their truck makes an entrance in this movie, and in your head you can just hear ding 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 ding. Pretty much ding 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 ding. They they do the stereotype thing like the guys in the diner. They're just like, "Hey, where'd you get a haircut?" And the Dennis Hop- <laughs> and then Den- it's pulling up to Dennis Hopper, and then Dennis Hopper just flips him off, and then the guy pulls out his shotgun, and at first he was like, "I just want to scare him," and then he just blasts him in the face. Yeah, that guy looked drunk from the moment he started talking. And he's like, he's like, here, pull up beside him. And he pulls out the shotgun. I was like, wait, why, what are you doing? And then he shoots. I was like, why are you shooting? And then the, he's just on the ground. I was like, oh, my God, they killed him. Yeah. And then that's what I was alluding to in this, them wanting to make this a tragedy. Like, um, so then Peter turns around. He puts his coat on him and he says he's going to be right back. And then he's going to go get him help. Yeah. And so he starts not, not only obviously do they not have cell phones that like we've said, they're going through the middle of nowhere. There isn't even a payphone or a house or a business anywhere in sight. Yeah. So he's got to like haul it to get to a phone. Yeah. But then he ends up catching up to the guys with the truck and then they shoot him too. And then yeah, it... he says something like we've got to clean it up or something like that. And then he shoots him. Yeah. But he doesn't shoot him and knock him off his bike. He shoots him and that bike jettisons up into the air crashes and blows up it not did it blow because i remember like oh, the it, front forks the front forks came off and the tire came off oh yes that blew up because it's that helicopter shot of the smoke and the flames and then that's when the credits roll the film ends abruptly right there and that's what i was alluding to with what they wanted to do with the story is that they they wanted to punctuate the oppression of this movement and of this counterculture 
by not having these guys live, they wanted the film to have this dark of an ending. Yeah, they're pretty dead by the end of the movie. Yeah, and um, but no, that's that's Easy Rider. Um, the only other kind of bit of trivia that I want to give you, um, I mean, there's a lot of trivia. Like uh, there is a story about um, how Peter Fonda got in a fight with one of the cameramen because he wanted to hold on to the the actual film footage himself. And the guy said, no, I mean, we got a system in place. And he literally fist fought a cameraman because he wanted to personally keep the footage with himself. Oh, my God. Um, and then apparently, like, Dennis and Peter, like, really hated each other during filming. Um, I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, this is alleged, too. I mean, I did, couldn't find, like, a real source to confirm this. But apparently, they apparently, like, Peter being a producer of the film, Dennis being the director, Peter really didn't want at some point Dennis to even be in the film at all. Like they, they apparently hated each other while they were filming this. So, huh. uh, well to their credit, that's pretty good acting. Cause I thought they were best of friends. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but the last, the, now the last bit of trivia that I want to give you was there were four bikes that they used in this film. They bought these four bikes. I don't remember the exact names or models, but, um, they bought these four bikes from a police option for $500 and literally all her bike or total four total bikes 500 total wow well it's, it's 1968 yeah i know but still that's a pretty good deal yeah i think i read that like that's like 3500 dollars now in 2019 money so yeah, that's a pretty good deal for four bikes anyway obviously yeah. the one blew up at the end so that one was just unrecoverable mm-hmm. but the other three were all stolen and yeah, hmm. they lost all three of the other ones. And it's funny because that last shot, they're not the last shot, the last fireplace meetup that they had, like where mm-hmm. they're just sitting in the fire talking, like when there's like less than five or less than 10 minutes of the film left. Yeah, there's deliberately no bikes in that shot. Because once they had the film edited in a rough cut, they forgot to have that last campfire scene filmed. So <laughs> So the kind of like when we did our Spider-Man reviews and edited, and then when we were getting ready to go to the outro, I was like, "Hey, we forgot to give our scores." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they had to film that and then splice it back in after the fact. <laughs> that's funny. And yeah, so that's why there's no bikes in that shot because they lost all the bikes, <laughs> and so there's only replicas out there. There's they, there's just been no. They've not been able to find the original ones. Hmm. But yeah, that's. That in a nutshell is Easy Rider. I still think it's a I still think it's a pretty great film. Um, I do agree in retrospect, like you were talking about, there's some really odd editing in it. But outside of outside of that, uh, I love the performances. I I do love the story it's trying to tell in its abstract way. Um, yeah. I do love all the acting. I I love Jack Nicholson probably the best in this film out of all the vignettes as well. Just like you said. Um, he got an Oscar nomination for the film, and the screenplay got a nomination for best screenplay as well. Um, I I think it's deserving of both. Um, I'm really shocked it wasn't up for best picture, but um, this was the same year that The Graduate came out, which um, oh yeah, um, and I think that won best picture. I might be wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure it did. And, I, and the Academy's kind of kind of stuffy, and so I mean, I guess yeah. it makes sense that they would just do what they always do: give the creative film the the token best screenplay nomination. Yeah. Without, because that gets you an Oscar nomination without giving you like the big one that matters more. Yeah. Um, 
but no, I mean, I mean, that's kind of my final thoughts on it. I give it a solid, uh, full brownie pan, uh, with sprinkles on top. I mean, like I said, even with the weird editing, I still think this is a classic. I, I, I have, I personally hold it in the high regard that, uh, most historians hold this film into full brownie pan with sprinkles. My, uh, my final thoughts, like I said, uh, I can appreciate what it is. I can appreciate what it did. Uh, not my kind of movie. Oddly enough, a motorcycle movie, not my kind of movie, but um, I can appreciate what it did. I can appreciate the, when they're acting, the performances are really good. It's just, there's so much time where it's just them riding motorcycles um, that, like I said, you take away that, it's probably less than a uh, hour-long movie. I remember you said something about after they watched the first cut of the movie, some guy said, I don't know what on earth we just watched, but I know we're about to make a lot of money with it. Oh yeah. Um, I, I told you that off. I told you that off mic. I almost forgot to bring that up again. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's, if someone tells me like you, like when you said that after you watched it, you really liked it. If your score is a full brownie pan, I totally get it. Yeah. Just for me, personally not my kind of movie um i appreciate what it did for film i appreciate what it is um i would give it half a brownie pan all right fair enough fair enough all right and with that we got to go back to 2019 and let you know what we are up to next week we will be right back All right, and that is it for this week's episode of Browdy Points. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. This week, a huge shout-out to Ilya Marfin from Fuge for the music for this week's episode. Thank you so much. Be sure to uh, subscribe and share our podcast to anybody you know that would like this. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other podcast uh, distribution Google, uh, platforms. Google Google Play, yes. Uh, Nick, where else are we in terms of social media? Social media, we're most active on our Facebook page, uh, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. Uh, we also have a Twitter handle. Uh, the ta- or the handle, I believe, is at Brownie underscore two. Not totally sure, but the best way to know it's us is it's our logo. It is the bowl of popcorn with the brownie just plopped in there. Uh, also, we're pretty active on YouTube every episode. Uh, goes up as a YouTube video, even though it's just the audio with the logo as the video for the whole time. Uh, but if you have like a Chromecast or something like that, you just want to put us on your TV and play us through your home theater speakers and fill your home with the sweet, soothing sound of me talking like Arnold or Dan talking like Bernie Sanders, go right ahead and follow <laughs> our YouTube page, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. Um, we also have an email address, browniepointsguidetocinema at gmail.com. Again, a thousand apologies for that one. I totally botched typing it out the first time, um, so I had to go with kind of a backup one. Um, but just type it in your email uh, contact book once. It's there. You can just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you guys, get feedback, uh, hear movies you want us to talk about, get ideas for op-ed segments, things like that. All right, and with that... Next week, Nick and I are going to use our editorial segment to announce 
our Deadpool bets for Avengers Endgame, who we think will live, who will be dead permanently, and not just written out of the franchise for contractual reasons, then we are going to go to the cinema and see The Curse of La Llorona. I'm sorry if I pronounce that wrong. I will probably never pronounce that right. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's La Llorona, but okay. Yeah, I'll try to find out by then. Um, it's, it's the latest entry in James Wan's and Jason Bloom's Conjuring Universe. Um, and then in the time machine, uh, Nick gets to pick the film this week. Uh, where are we going to be going? We're going to change things up a little bit. Um, we are going to watch uh, a documentary. Um, it is from 2004. It covers uh, my favorite band of all time, Metallica, uh, and the making of their studio album, St. Anger. The film is titled Metallica, Some Kind of Monster. Um, it's a fantastic documentary uh, brought to you by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky, uh, most well-known for their Paradise Lost series. Um, it chronicles the band at a very critical breaking point. Uh, Jason Newstead leaves the band. James Hetfield goes to rehab. Lars Ulrich's ego is out of control, and Kirk Hammett is trying not to get in the crossfire of everything happening. While another studio album is made and basically a bunch of guys that have families, wives, and kids have to grow up and start kind of acting like adults and a little less like crazy young guys. Um, a fantastic documentary. I love this movie and can't wait to watch it and review it for the show. Uh, yes, I have also seen this before. That is something else. Uh, we are going to cheat a little bit. Um, I It has been... Just about 10 years, personally, since I've seen this film, um, and I'm completely on board with re-watching it, uh, especially for this being our first documentary of uh, our Time Machine segment. Um, I do remember really liking this film a lot um, when I did see it the first time. Um, I'm a huge fan of the directors. I've seen all three films of the Paradise Lost trilogy. I think it's fantastic. Um, if anyone else hasn't seen them, uh, it's kind of like Making of a Murderer before Making a Murderer was a big deal. Uh, so with they were... dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> um and uh, the only note that I would give you guys, uh, if you do want to watch the film along with us, uh, it is on Netflix, um, but you're going to have to find a lot of time to set aside for it, because this is a long film. This is definitely one of the longest films we'll have watched on the show in general. It's two hours and 25 minutes long. Um, so strap in. It is a fantastic film, though. I, I, from what I remember, uh, you, I think personally that you will be as wrapped up into the story whether you're a metallica hardcore fan or not um nick is definitely more hardcore fan of metallica than i am even though i am a fan <laughs> just a tad yeah <laughs> just a tad uh, but yeah no this is a fantastic documentary from what i can recall as well um i am very excited to watch this again uh not as uh definitely more excited than monorona <laughs> so um, and also just a reminder like we said last week and part of it in this segment uh definitely Definitely tune in in a couple weeks for our Avengers Endgame review. It's a huge yes. review for me and Dan. Finally get to see a movie together and record it at once. Yes. Um, so a bunch of movies that we're really excited about to review for you guys. Some kind of monster and Avengers and we'll see how La Llorona is. Yeah, we're <laughs> not as we're not as versed in that universe. Um, I've personally only seen Conjuring 1 and 2. I haven't seen the Annabelle films. Uh, I didn't see The Nun. I don't plan on seeing those films between now and next week. Uh, isn't that all you've seen, too? Man, I don't remember what I've seen. Honestly, I know I've not seen Annabelle. I know I have not seen The Nun. I maybe have seen The Conjuring once. 
Not not the second one. But I I know I haven't seen Conjuring two. Okay. Well, that's what we're coming. But are are you sure? That's where... that's, are you sure that's in the same universe? I thought it was supposed to be just James Wan and a bunch of the people that made those movies just making a horror movie that's not connected to the universe. I saw a poster when I saw um I saw a poster when I saw Hellboy. Um, I might be conflating it and because I know I saw the conjuring on it and maybe I'm wrong and it's just from the producers of it and it might not be in the universe. I, I could have swore it was, um, mm. that's what you get for not doing your homework guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're out of college, we're out of college and, uh, any other type of school. We don't have to do homework anymore, man. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, regardless, it's a horror film. James Wan at least produced it. We'll figure out if it was or wasn't a part of the conjuring universe. Uh, regardless, we're going to give you our thoughts on the film itself. Uh, along with some kind of monster that is on next week's episode of brownie points we will see you then toodaloo find a way to live in peace and harmony and try to find a way where the class system doesn't harm anybody and it doesn't put anybody up like in the one percent like um this movie That's does the worst Bernie impression. I've ever 